Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! The Dolphins get the help they need, but they cannot help themselves here on Christmas Eve. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Sunday Christmas Eve edition, the December 24th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins season comes to a fitting end with a 29-13 loss of the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. We take away five key points from the game, and we also jump right into that Twitter mailbag. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. You can go ahead and give us a rating and review on the podcast. Helps the podcast grow and get out to more Dolphins. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the show at Lockdown Fins. Check out LockdownDolphins.com as well as the Lockdown Heat and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And let's just go ahead and get right into this today, guys, and talk about the five takeaways. And the number one takeaway for me, despite the fact the Dolphins only scored 13 points on offense, the quarterback didn't play very well yet again. The offense really came from a couple of big plays by Jakeem Grant and some deep passes down the field just here and there throughout the course of the game. But the takeaway number, the first takeaway I have is talking about the defense. And the Dolphins have to do something about backs and tight ends beating them in the passing game. It's been an issue for a long time now. And if you look at the Dolphins linebackers over the course of the last decade, I guess, if you want to go that far back, I don't know. It's been a long time now. It really just, it's kind of, it points to the idea of why they're so bad at defending those particular routes, those particular players at those particular positions. And with Kiko Alonso, he just cannot move. His side-to-side agility is is nowhere to be found. He can't sprint with anybody across the field. He gets beat by bigger tight ends on speed routes. It's just, I don't know what he does for you. I don't know what he does for this team and what place he has in this team. Lawrence Timmons has fallen off of a cliff since the first half of the season when he was playing very, very well. Chase Allen, you know, I gave him some props last week, but there's against a team like the Chiefs where they have a lot of speed with Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and then that that big tight end, I forget his name, the other one, not Travis Kelsey, number 84, he was making some plays today too, and he just can't keep up with those kind of guys and their speed. So, you know, getting Rayquan McMillan back will help and maybe making some more moves at the linebacker position helps. And also the two safeties, Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. Rashad Jones had an awesome game today. He is very good at what he does at what he does well, and that is playing the run, playing in the box, blitzing, playing off the edge. And he can cover as well, too. He got beat by Travis Kelsey on a touchdown pass today, but that was really just a great throw and catch. And the Dolphins' scheme in terms of the way they handle those tight ends and not chipping at the line of scrimmage makes no sense to me. All the good teams in the league, like if you look at the New England Patriots defense and the way they funnel their the offense's best player into certain coverages, they always disrupt at the line of scrimmage. And you look at the way the Dolphins handled the Patriots a few weeks ago and the way they defended the Patriots offense, what were they doing? They were d- disrupting at the line of scrimmage and taking away players early in routes. That's what you got to do. So address the position both with the draft for agency and then also take care of it in scheme and personnel because it's it's been a problem and it's a multitude of things they have to get fixed. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is the red zone performance on both sides of the football. Defense was better today, but the offense and the play calling, the lack of running the football, the lack of ability to run the football, the, the execution standpoint, and then the fades to A.J. Derby and Marcus Peters. What are we doing on those? Why are you throwing fades to a guy that just got active for the first game this year against probably the best cornerback in the NFL. I don't understand why you're doing that. You see Jarvis Landry lighting into Adam Gaze in the sideline there after that decision to do that and then get backed up on the personal foul by Ted Larson, who can get out of here for all I'm concerned about. 
and Jarvis Landry's going over to the sideline and yelling at Adam Gaze, and he's getting it back to him. And I like that competitive fire from those guys. You see it with the greats. You see Tom Brady blowing up on guys on the sideline. You've seen the, the famous clip of Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday blowing up at each other on the sideline. So the great players do that. I'm not worried about it. I'm just worried about the play calling and what caused that because we can't have this red zone bog down every single game. Last week against the Bills, they were going down for touchdowns, and the Dolphins were matching them, driving the, driving the ball down the field. They just weren't getting into the end zone. They were kicking field goals. And then you get Cody Parkey missing one field goal. And it's just, you're not going to win doing that. You're not going to win scoring three points at a time, especially when your defense is as shaky as this one can be at times. So the play calling in the red zone has been bad. I just don't understand the idea of it because other parts of the field, the play calling has been awesome. Those little fake end arounds to Jakeem Grant, getting him involved back in the screen game today. Some of the things that Gaze builds on, he does a really good job of calling plays and scheming up yards in the middle part of the field. And then it gets into the red zone and it just falls off the table. Whereas last year, that was one of his strong suit was creating scoring opportunities in the red zone with Ryan Tannehill and this offense. So I'd like to see that improve next year. I think it will. Takeaway number three is the guy that I mentioned on the screen plays is Jakeem Grant. I think you have to find a way to get him involved in the offense more than he has been all year. And obviously they're doing that now. He had the big drop in the Patriots game following the great touchdown catch, but that play where he slips the tackle like a punt return on the screenplay for the touchdown, that was really impressive. And the one before that, he almost did the exact same thing. So you got to find a way to get the ball in this guy's hands and get him in a punt return type of scenario where he can make guys miss and make plays and use that long, long range speed because he makes one guy's miss. You're not going to catch him from behind. So a great job by Jakeem Grant making a play there. I thought maybe that would translate into some punt return success, but the Chiefs never really gave him a chance after that. They started pinning him to the, towards the sidelines. So he doesn't really get a chance to get rolling in terms of a punt returner. But as a receiver, he has a place in the team. He's a, he's just one of those fiery guys that can... He plays a lot bigger than his 5'6 body would, would suggest that he does. And of course, the speed and shiftiness that he has really goes a long way as well. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fins. And of course, we have the big announcement, the new writers joining the show, or, the, or I should say the, the site. I have seven new writers coming on to, to give you guys daily coverage of the Miami Dolphins. That's going to be something you guys can look at for this offseason. We're going to have draft coverage, free agency coverage, news notes, nuggets, film breakdowns, tons and tons of good stuff on LockedOnDolphins.com here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Jumping right back into the five takeaways on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, takeaway number four is the pass protection. And that's something that has been pretty good this year. I think that the Dolphins offensive line has done a better job of keeping Jay Cutler clean, giving him lanes to throw through and avenues to work within the pocket and make plays. And today, Sam Young had a really, really rough time on Justin Houston, as a lot of linemen will, and particularly backup right tackles will have on Justin Houston. But for the most part, this offensive line played really well in terms of getting the pocket created for Jay Cutler and giving him room to operate in. And of course, his footwork has never gotten any better, but that doesn't change the fact that the Dolphins did a good job of creating lanes for him. I thought Laramie Tunzel was a lot better in this game. I think Jesse Davis continues to have fantastic games every single week. Uh, Mike Pouncey, I thought, was better in this game, but you know he's, he's still slower and not as good as the things he used to be good at. And his weaknesses continue to show up more and more as he gets older and more banged up throughout the course of his career. But just in general, the offensive line play has been a lot better. I think that going into the year, or maybe even a few weeks into the season, we were thinking we have to replace four guys on the offensive lineman, everyone besides Laramie Tunzel, maybe even Jawan James. But right now, I think you probably only need a center and maybe a left guard. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that dire of a situation. And if you get that type of play next year with Ryan Tannehill, a better quarterback, a guy that can move around a lot better, I think your offense is going to take a much, much bigger step in that regard. And that leads right into the fifth takeaway. And I'm going to be jolly here on Christmas Eve and give you guys optimism and not dwell on the fact that the Dolphins are now 6-9. and nine. The season is officially over. They get the help they need between the Rams beating the Titans and the Bills losing to the Patriots. The Chargers 
did beat the Jets, so that one didn't go their way. But the two the Dolphins needed to have happened. Miami loses, wipes it all out anyways. So next week, week 17 against Buffalo is totally irrelevant. I don't really care if we beat the Bills to go to the playoff to stop them from going to the playoffs. I don't care about that at all. Let them go and get knocked out by the Patriots by 30 points, and they can have their fun doing that. So I would rather just see the Dolphins prepare for 2018 because I think 2018 is going to be one of those massive jump years where the Dolphins just kind of explode in the same way the Rams did, the Jaguars did, the same way the Vikings did. Some of these teams that come from sort of dead the previous year and just erupt onto the scene and surprise everybody. And I don't think it would be that big of a surprise to me as it would be the rest of like the national media because the Dolphins, you look at the weaknesses on this team they have, the quarterback play was a really big factor this year. The offensive line and running game was a factor early on that got fixed. And what does Ryan Tannehill do well? He plays off of play action, gets a good running game going, and he can stretch the legs of the defense as well using his own legs. So I think that a lot of the things in terms of playing complimentary football go hand-in-hand hand with Ryan Tannehill returning. And I do think that the Dolphins' defense getting a little a little more seasoning under them, getting guys back like Ray Quad McMillan, maybe even Tony Lippett, or maybe even a first-round corner or a pass rusher, or whatever it's going to be on the defensive side of the football, I think you have a lot of reasons for optimism in terms of this team getting turned around. And if you look at Adam Gaze's winning percentage throughout the course of his two-year career here with the Miami Dolphins, his winning percentage with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback is 62%. That's a very good, very respectable percentage for a head coach in today's NFL. Jay Cutler at 46%, not good. And then Matt Moore, 33%. So you're you're tied to shifting more towards the idea that Ryan Tannehill was the biggest reason the team was as bad as they have been. And I think that you can also point to just some, some sloppy mistakes that they didn't make last year that they are making this year. And there's things that just seem correctable, like simple missed tackles that aren't, it's not like it's rocket science to get it figured out you just got to wrap up and make a better play so you get better on that standpoint you get better in the red zone which is more of a volatile thing that you can kind of change from year to year I don't think it's something that you really just are concerned about the talent level I think they can get better in that regard and then the quarterback play like I mentioned is going to be a lot better so I think the Dolphins in 2018 are on the right track to be a really good football team and a team that can challenge the New England Patriots despite the 6-9 record in this terrible season that was led by Jay Cutler, Matt Moore and others that uh, just didn't get it done this year so season is over but I have great hopes for 2018 here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast your host Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. All right, Dolphins, back here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL. Let's get right into the Twitter mailbag. And the first question comes from a gentleman that's going to be joining the Lockdown Dolphins network as a writer. Skylar Trunk at Skylar Trunk says, what's your alcohol of choice after a game like this? Uh, asked, talking about my reference to the, the podcast call out for Twitter questions for the mailbag. And me saying I'm going to drink my weight in alcohol tonight. That is very true. That is going to happen. It's the holidays. What else are you supposed to do on the holidays? I will be going with probably some type of vodka drink just so I can pace myself at the course of the day. And then possibly some Deschutes Mirapon Pale Ale out here brewed in the Northwest. Those are my drinks of choice. But he asks, on a game-related note, what did you make of the Landry Gaze confrontation on the sideline? I kind of went over that already, but I think it's good that you bring it back up because it does deserve to be repeated. I think that it's good. I think it's a good thing because... They're in th- third and 24. They throw the screen to Jakeem Grant. I'm sure Jarvis Landry wants that to be his ball to he- so he can make a play and make someone miss and get into the end zone. I mean, either way, it wasn't going to be a touchdown or even a first down on that third and 24. The play before that with Ted Larson cost you the 15 yards. That kind of ruins it. But I'm sure that it was going back to the A.J. Derby fade routes they threw on Marcus Peters. I'm not really sure why they did that. I think that's more of a Jay Cutler call at the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't say that was something that gazed out of himself. Maybe he did. I don't know. But it looked like Jay Cutler looked that way and went that way on his own. So I think it's a good thing because these competitors, they will do that from time to time. And it just means they want to win. So I like seeing that. Question number two comes from Bill Crawley at Bill Crawley 9491. 
Who impressed you the last month of the season that's a definite keeper? I have no hesitation in saying Jesse Davis, right guard, who has been fantastic for the last month and a half or so, playing at that right guard or even right tackle position. But at right guard, he has been fantastic. He is your right guard for next year, unless you move him to left guard, which would be a dolphin, a very Miami Dolphins thing to do. Take a guy that's playing good at one spot and move him to another spot. I don't think they will, but who knows? They could. But I think he's your right guard next year. Next question comes from no, 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 at something or other. <laughs> Pretty good name there. Should we have challenged that possible touchback? I couldn't pull up a replay to see if he stepped out. No, he was out at the, th- at the three-yard line. It, it, I mean, his open gate kind of put his foot on the sideline there and made him go out of bounds. But it would have been a touchback if he was not. So good call there. I think it was the right to not challenge that. But a good observation nonetheless. Next question comes from Angel Contreras at A underscore Contreras. Who are your immediate first three cuts in the offseason? I think that's pretty easy. Julius Thomas is the easiest one. I would go Mike Pouncey is the next one. And then the third one would be Ted Larson, another guy that comes over to help Adam Gaze. They had a pass with him. I think all three of these guys are just bad football players. They eat up too much money on the cap. I think your uh, your dark horse would be Devontae Parker. And I wouldn't cut him, but I'd, I'd look to trade him. And then also Kiko Alonso and Andre Branch. But let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. That's where the biggest remake has to happen, I think, in terms of a few guys going out for sure and replacing them with better players. So Julius Thomas, Mike Pouncey, and Ted Larson for me. Question number four, Juan Hernandez at Evil Miamian. Miamian? Nothing but draft and free agent preview shows from here on out. Don't even bother covering the Bills game. <laughs> You're pretty much right, Juan. I, I probably won't get into like the breakdowns of the matchups next week. I will be on the Rock Pile Report show on Tuesday again to talk to those guys, my, two of my favorite guys over there in Buffalo. But yeah, probably not going to do a whole lot of coverage on that stuff. And then the next one, I can't repeat the entire tweet, but it's from Senior Jug Ya Plug. <laughs> At Prime Levion asks, why the bleep, bleep, bleep did we throw the ball to AJ Derby three times in the red zone against Marcus Peters? I can understand once for the shock factor, but does this franchise purposely not utilize DVP in the red zone or are they just brain dead? Sorry for being pro, sorry for being so profane. Don't apologize for that, Prime Levion. I, I totally understand your frustration. I don't think Devontae Parker is the answer for that. I think he was supposed to be, but I think he's a guy that milks every injury he gets. I think he doesn't not work hard. I think when Adam Gaze is talking about guys being in their playbooks when they leave the facility and not doing other things, he was talking about Devontae Parker, as we can all see as evidence of his Snapchat profile. If you haven't checked that out, I would... Recommend it if you're looking to get frustrated about Devontae Parker. He is just not a guy that works hard. He gets banged up very easily. He doesn't want to be out there most of the time. I don't think that he's your resolution there, but I do think that throwing the ball to AJ Derby is a problem. You got to find other ways to get more creative, whether it's like an inside screen game or tight ends over the middle. Work the middle of the field a little bit more and make that an area you can challenge in the red zone. That's a big area of concern for me, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. They're just The red zone offense has been so bad this year. And the number one priority for the offense in 2018 should be to get that fixed. I think Ryan Tannehill helps that in terms of the running game as well as the passing game too. But you got to find more guys outside of that to go ahead and get it done. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I am going to go over to my in-laws' house and drink a whole lot of alcohol and have a great Christmas. You guys, please have a great Christmas as well. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, for all the great GIF breakdowns I do, at LockedOnFins and at LockedOnNFL as well as the Facebook page for LockedOnNFL. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back on either Monday or Tuesday, I haven't decided yet, with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.